Amen. You may be seated. I invite you to take your Bible and turn to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're continuing as we've been doing throughout the year 2023. Our emphasis has been on developing a, a prayer life and uh, the pathway of prayer. And we want to continue, being the last Sunday of the month, we want to continue that theme. And we're going to look at a very short verse, two words in Greek, three words in English, depending on, or two words, depending on your translation. But it is a command from Scripture regarding prayer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 17. And as you make your way there, I want to ask you, what is something that you think, or maybe you know, you could do better or that you know more about than anybody else in the room? Don't shout it out. But what, what is something? Is there something? I believe that God creates us with a sense of purpose, and it's something that, that He created us to do. And so there's something, and maybe it's not your, your current occupation. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's something. But you know a lot about something. You are an expert in something. And as I thought about all the people we have in the room usually on Sunday mornings, I think there are some of us who know more about finance than any of us ever would. Some of us know more about the human body than any of us ever could. Some of us here know more about plumbing, automobiles, farming, concrete, fishing, books, chemistry, construction, business, logistics. Whatever you think that is, okay? Have that topic, that area in your mind now... I want you to imagine someone who has no experience, no background, no knowledge. And they come up to you and they say, I'm just so beat up. I don't know what to do. And you ask them why. And, you, and they say, well, I'm, I'm not as good at that as you are. What would be your first response? If somebody with no experience, no education, no background came up and said, I am not as good at that as you are, what would you say? Well, I think the first thing would say, look, you don't know what all I've been through to get here. I went to school for this. I, this has been my job for 30 years. I've studied this. I've worked this. I've lived this. When we think about prayer, a lot of times that's how we approach it. A lot of times we get discouraged about our prayer life because we might look at somebody else's prayer life or we might look at some some other uh, example and we might say I'll never get there I, I, I'm not there and if you were to ask that person they would tell you you don't know what I've been through to develop this kind of prayer life but you also haven't had the experience and so as we talk about prayer I want us to consider what it means to have a, a prayer life that's growing, that's maturing. We want our prayer lives to be strengthened in 2023. Prayer is like a muscle. It must be used and used regularly in order to be strengthened. The more we use it, the more we can do with it and the more strength that we gain in it. So there's a whole host of areas that we can improve in prayer. One of the areas we want to talk about is the time and the attention we give to prayer. My hope this morning is that the Spirit of God will work and use our time together 
in order to move us into a place of a greater habit of prayer. A greater habit of prayer. It's my prayer that each of us would take the next step to develop the habit of prayer. Yes, as individuals, but also as a church, as a corporate body. And so this morning, we want to hear from what uh, 1 Thessalonians, what the Lord has to say about prayer. And we come to 1 Thessalonians 5.17, and it's a very short passage. It says, pray without ceasing, or pray constantly. So this is a command that the Apostle Paul gives to the church in Thessalonica. And he's ending with a series of commands, really. And these commands are based on everything that he has said before. He concludes with this cluster of commands. And before we address this command, I think it's important. It's always, it's always important that when you go to a passage at the end of an epistle, or really the end of any book, that you understand that what is at the end of that book is built on everything that came before it. When you read Ephesians 6 and you start talking about spiritual warfare, don't forget that there's Ephesians 1 through 3 that talks about you were dead in your sins and trespasses. Ephesians 1, God did everything necessary to save you. Ephesians 2, you were dead and needed saving, and God did it. He made you alive with Christ because he was merciful and gracious and kind, right? Don't forget that part in spiritual warfare. So let's have the right perspective on this pray without ceasing it is a command, but what I want you to understand is it's a command that is rooted in salvation through Christ. Salvation through Christ is the foundation. So this pray constantly is not meant to come to us as a law, something that is a burden, but it is a joyful command that a disciple of Christ whose heart and life has been changed receives joyfully and seeks to obey. In other words, this is not a command to help you order or earn or keep your salvation. It's a command that flows out of Christ and his saving work. And we know this, I know this from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you flip over just a few pages... 1 Thessalonians 2, just to prove my point, verse 13, Paul says, This is why we constantly thank God. Why? Because when you receive the word of God that you heard from us, that is the gospel, you welcomed it not as a human message, but as it truly is, the word of God, which works effectively in you who believe. So there's the good news of Jesus. They had received this good news, this gospel of Jesus, and they had trusted Christ. They had put their faith in him for salvation. And now that their sin has been dealt with, now that they are reconciled back to God, now that they are declared righteous because of Christ and they have a relationship with God, now comes the command, pray constantly, pray without ceasing. So before we say anything about the command to pray, this is a command that's given to a believer. It's assumed that the person that seeks to obey this is a Christian. You say, why does that matter? Well, I think it matters because we can't neglect the gospel basis for these commands. We, we start to get out of order when we make... Here's what we do. If we don't base gospel and then command... What is our assurance? 
if we flip those, we say command and then gospel, then what we start doing is we start resting our assurance on how good am I keeping the command. No, your assurance is on what Christ has done. Your assurance is the gospel, the good news that God has promised to you. So we need to have that order right. So sometimes we read this, and if you'll be honest, there's a difference between conviction and despair. Sometimes we read this and we're convicted and we'll say, man, Lord, I know I should pray. I'm not praying. Help me, Lord. Make me so that my heart seeks you and that I pray more. That's, that's a conviction. But then sometimes we read it and it's despair and it's like, I don't pray always like I should. I may not be saved. Do you see the difference? So when we read this as gospel then command, we understand the gospel is the foundation and so what I, what I want to avoid is that we read this command as a law, like an Old Testament law, the law, you know, capital L, law. So if you read this as the law, it's a burden. It's absolutely a burden. But if you read this after gospel, it's a joy and a delight. So maybe when you, when you see that we're talking about praying constantly, pray without ceasing, you think, oh man, this is not going to be fun. I, know, I, know, I already know that I don't do that. Are you reading it as law? Or are you reading it as God has done everything in Christ for me so that now I can try to pray without ceasing? And you know what? Even when I mess up, I'm forgiven. Christ has saved me. He has promised that he will deliver me. So you need to make sure that you've got the gospel as the foundation. Because if we don't, I mean, let's just be honest. The truth is, none of us prays without ceasing. None of us prays like we should. And the reason is we're sinners. We don't pray when we should because of pride. We don't pray when we should because uh, a lack of faith. For so many reasons. So the gospel is the foundation. The gospel, the good news of, of Jesus' saving, redeeming work. This provides the foundation for us to even thinking about praying without ceasing. Think of it this way. The gospel is the motivation, or should be, the motivation for praying without ceasing. In other words, believing the gospel creates a praying person. That's what we're trying to get at. So, I think Paul shows us this, that the gospel creates a praying person. Because when, when you are brought from darkness to light, when you go from enemy and rebel to son and daughter, how can you not rejoice? How can you not give thanks? And how do you rejoice and give thanks to God? How is it that you express and communicate you pray well then lo and behold what do we see in the verse right before and right after i think i can say confidently that believing the gospel makes a praying person and the gospel is the foundation because look at what he says in verse 16 rejoice always pray without ceasing and then give thanks in everything so the, the rejoicing always and the giving thanks and everything, that's also a fruit of the gospel. But notice that's what sandwiches these two things. Okay? Now, come, those of you who are now thinking about sandwiches, come back to me. Okay? I know, I know. Trust me, I know. 
So we rejoice in our salvation and, and, and we give thanks for our salvation. So we're praying, we're, we're thanking God for his, his multitude of blessing, his myriad graces and, and acts of kindness to us. Those are worthy of rejoicing and thanksgiving. So think of it this way. You should only take the command seriously to pray without ceasing. You should only take it seriously if there is ever anything worth rejoicing and giving thanks unto God for. And that's the point, right? There's always a reason to rejoice and give thanks because of Jesus Christ. So the gospel provides this unceasing reason for our rejoicing, our giving thanks, and also our prayer. So the, the gospel is at the foundation. Now, having that orientation clarified, what does Paul mean when he says Christians and believers are to pray without ceasing? Well, first of all, let's dispel what he does not mean. What Paul does not mean is that believers are to be in an unending state of vocalizing words in prayer. That's not what he means. This is not a call to an unbroken stream of prayer. You know what a live stream is, don't you? A live stream is when something is going out live and you watch it and it's happening then. And, and a lot of times, eventually, the live stream ends. It's over. People have other things that they have to go do, right? Paul is not saying that, that our life is to be one constant live stream where we're constantly praying and we never stop we never stop talking we never stop praying and vocalizing it in prayer the reality is we simply can't now i don't know about you but i don't talk in my sleep you might be able to talk in your sleep and you might be able to pray in your sleep but that alone it is a pretty solid nail on the coffin that we cannot pray 24-7, vocalizing words 24-7. Another thing to consider is that God and, and the Scriptures call us to do other things. Right? It calls us to pray, but it also calls us to share. It calls us to bear witness. It calls, so if we're only ever praying with our mouths, we could never talk to our spouse. We could never sing. We, I mean, you get the point, right? So it's not an unending stream of words. So what does Paul mean when he says pray without ceasing? What he's essentially saying is that believers are to have a habit of regular prayer. Prayer is to be a lifestyle. Prayer is to be a habit. Prayer should be the warp and woof of our life. Prayer it should be a natural rhythm to our life, like, like the tides and the ocean, something that characterizes our life over and over and over again. You say, how do we know this? It's not just my opinion. We know this because, first of all, the grammar that Paul uses indicates that he's talking about a habit. It's two words in Greek. The first word is in the present tense, and that indicates a habit. Be in the habit of prayer. Whenever you are in the present, be in the habit of prayer. Make it a habit to pray. So he says, be in the habit of praying. That's the first word in the Greek. But then after that, he says, be in the habit of prayer constantly, without ceasing. So I think if we wanted to kind of translate this in a way that's understandable, I think what Paul's saying is make a habit of being in the habit of prayer. 
pray. Translated, make prayer a habit. Constantly, without ceasing, develop the habit. So be in the habit of making prayer a habit. So once we understand that Paul is saying, be be intentional, be in the habit of making prayer a habit, I think it's less about the activity and more about a disposition. It's more about the state of our heart and the state of our life. It's about a heart oriented toward God. I love the way one writer puts it. He says, just as love never stops or slackens when one's attention is temporarily diverted away from the beloved, everything still is seen with reference to the beloved. I don't stop loving my wife as soon as she's out of sight. And it's the same disposition that he's talking about. This is a disposition. This is a bend in your heart and your will. You are bent towards this. And this is a a bend that is wrought by the gospel. Your heart, apart from Jesus, is bent away from God. The gospel bends your heart towards God. And now you cultivate that and you pray and your heart is oriented to Him. And really prayer is just the enjoying, the enjoyment of what Christ has done for us. We, We talked about it, we sang about it, but... But you understand, Jesus opened up this way for us. That we can have this life of prayer. That we can pray without ceasing. We can have and enjoy open 24-7 communion with God. The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, verse 20, Jesus has inaugurated for us a new and living way. So we can now come boldly to the throne of grace whenever we want. So the access is there. It's open. And so what's Paul's point? What's the big idea? What's this? If you remember nothing else, believers should exhibit a lifestyle of prayer. They should exhibit a lifestyle of prayer. I think about the story of Daniel. Daniel chapter 6 verse 10. You probably know the story. I know our kids probably know the story. But, but Daniel is uh, in a foreign kingdom and there is a law passed that no one should pray. And then you go to Daniel 6.10 and it says that they, he went up there and prayed three times a day like he would always do. So believers should exhibit a lifestyle of prayer. How do we do that? I want to give you eight suggestions on how to do that. On how you can begin to exhibit a lifestyle of prayer. We have to we have, to have some, some practical ways that we can do this. So I want to give you eight very quickly. Number one, start somewhere and pray. Start somewhere and pray. No habit was ever formed by not starting. Except maybe the habit of procrastination. (laughs) But start somewhere. Pray. The only way that you are going to make prayer a habit is by praying. So start somewhere. If it's five minutes more, or if it's five minutes, if you go from zero to five, that's okay. Start somewhere. Start somewhere. Number two, start with training wheels. Start with training wheels. There are tools, there are books, uh, collections of written prayers that you can read and, and they will fill up your gas tank of vocabulary. They will help you find the words and the phrases 
read your Bible. Let that be the vocabulary. But, but find, we're going to recommend some here in a minute. Uh, some training wheels, tools, or books. And if you want to know some, come look at the books. We have one book that we're giving you to take away uh, home today. Uh, but there are others that can help you. So start with some training wheels. Start somewhere, start with training wheels. Number three, weave prayer into your daily life. Weave prayer into your daily life. When you, the, the Puritans were especially good at this. When, when, you're, when you're taking off your clothes in the morning to get in the shower or get ready for work, pray and, and thank God that, that your filthy rags have been exchanged for Christ's righteous robe. When you're cooking breakfast, thank God that He has provided a feast for us. You, you can thank God for His provision. You can thank God that, that one day we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper with the Lord Jesus. As you're driving... You're looking at the road. Thank God that He gives you His Word to mark out the path. That His Word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Weave prayer into your daily life. Number four, begin with rejoicing and thanksgiving. If you ever need to jumpstart prayer, begin with rejoicing and thanksgiving. What is it that is good that God has done for you that you can rejoice and give thanks these are the best doorways into prayer. Something makes you happy or is good. Lift a prayer of thanksgiving. Sometimes we over-spiritualize prayer. Listen, there have been times where I have literally, you know, the, the Bible says that the Spirit helps us. You know, sometimes we pray and, and we feel things that are too deep for words. Have you ever had, you ever eaten or, or you know, drank something that you're just like, mmm. That's a prayer. That can be a prayer. It's just good. Right? Thank God that he created this food and that it could be made this way and that it tastes this way in my mouth. So rejoice with thanksgiving. And of course the gospel. Because of the gospel, there's always thanksgiving and cause for rejoicing. So number one, start somewhere and pray. Start with training wheels. Number three, weave prayer into your daily life. Number four, begin with rejoicing and thanksgiving. Number six, embrace the beauty of short prayers. This kind of goes with what we just said, but you need to know God hears short prayers too. With new habits, usually the best approach is making small changes over time. A lot of times when we try to change our habits, we, we take on too much, we do too much all at once, and then we eventually go back. Start with, with small prayers and the beauty of small prayers. There's a, I think there is a faith that is evident in small prayers. When you genuinely just lift up a 30-second prayer to God in faith, knowing that you don't have to beg, although you can, you don't have to, to plead and move God to desire to answer your prayers, knowing that He is faithful and He loves this. So let me say something to the kids. Kids, listen. Listen up. Don't think you have to pray like adults. You can pray like an adult when you're an adult. Okay? When God hears your simple prayer, God, help me with this test. God, help me to listen to my mom and dad. You should be praying that. 
God hears short prayers too. So number six, embrace the beauty of short prayers. Number seven, don't wait till you feel like praying. Every new habit comes with those times where you don't feel like doing it. Don't wait till you feel like praying. Sometimes you need to pull your feelings along with you. You go to God in prayer. Everybody okay? Don't interpret the thunder and lightning, okay? It's just thunder. It's just lightning. Okay? Don't wait till you feel like praying. That's number, se- uh, that's number six, sorry. Number seven, ask God to make prayer reflexive in your life. Ask God to make prayer reflexive in your life. Do you remember when you'd go to the doctor and they'd do the little tap on your knee and you'd, you know, your knee would do the, the thing? And, and what would you do when you went home and played doctor? What would you do? You'd start hammering yourself in the knee. Trying to, and then you would kick your leg. You're like, oh, those are my reflexes. It was always fun. I think this is what Paul is after, that, that we should strive by God's grace such that whatever comes in life, whatever taps our soul, whatever makes contacts with us, our reflex would be prayer. That that would be our, not our last resort, but our first resort. And so let's plead and ask God to make prayer our reflex. So we've had these eight suggestions. Let me give you the eighth and final suggestion. In order to grow and and constantly be uh, praying without ceasing, ask yourself, where do I need to add or replace with prayer? Where do I need to add or replace with prayer? I say add or replace because some things that happen, worry, stress, some of those things are natural. When just the other day we were riding along and, and we witnessed a car accident and I, we stopped and helped. And then afterwards I called Dawn just to let her know I was okay. When, you know, she, she was getting her hair done and I usually try to leave her alone. But I called her and, and there was a, there's that slight moment of like, oh no, what's wrong, right? That's natural. That's normal. So in that case, that's when we add prayer, right? We say, God, there is this this event that is happening, and, and I am responding naturally, but I also want to pray. But then there are some times where we need to replace with prayer. There are some natural responses, but then there are some responses that are sinful, and they need to be replaced. If we're being honest, what's happening is, we're replacing prayer with something else. This situation comes up and we have to try to figure out how to fix it. Instead of asking God. You see what I'm saying? So ask God, where do I need to add prayer? Where can I add prayer? Or where do I need to replace with prayer? Maybe there's something in your life right now that you need to replace with prayer. You've been worrying about it. You've been obsessing over it. It's keeping you up at night. You don't know what to do. Replace with prayer. So, believers should exhibit a lifestyle of prayer. How is God calling you to make a change in your life? To have a greater habit 
of praying. The pathway to deeper, greater prayer, a greater prayer life is there. But you have to understand it's a spiritual habit that needs to be cultivated. Be in the habit of making prayer a habit. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, God, for the gospel and the foundation of our our faith and our salvation being the good news of Jesus. Lord, help us to be a people who pray. Make our hearts seek after you. God, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, I pray that they would see, not that they need to pray more, but they need to pray that first prayer that matters to acknowledge that they've sinned against you. That they would trust in what Jesus did on the cross through his death and resurrection. For, for the, they would trust that for the forgiveness of their sins and be made right with you, oh Lord. And then the life of prayer can happen. Lord, we thank you and we bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.